0: Welcome to Church Matters, a place where we ask questions about the life of the Church, at home, across the street, and around the world.
1: This program is brought to you by Mennonite Church Canada.
0: My name is Janet Plennert.
1: And I'm Dan Dick.
0: And we are your hosts of Church Matters. A reading from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of justice is sown in peace for those who make peace.
1: Thanks, Janet, for that scripture reflection on our topic for today.
0: We have with us Jack Suderman, the General Secretary of Mennonite Church Canada, to talk about peace and the church and what a Mennonite response is to the increasing militarization of Canada. Welcome here, Jack.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: Mennonite Church Canada recently sent a public letter to Prime Minister Harper expressing concern about what you call the increasing militarization of Canadian society. What do you mean when you say we are becoming more militarized?
2: Yes, we did send that letter uh, To militarize a society means to try to convince Canadians that we need to be more effective in providing military solutions to the human problems facing our our world. This means not only that we need to spend more money making our military better, but maybe even more importantly, we have to try harder to convince Canadians that this is a good thing to do.
1: How are you seeing this, Jack? I wonder if you can give us a few examples.
2: Yes, uh, an example would be that that in the early 1990s, uh, 90% of Canadian military spending was used in helping the United Nations to keep peace in various parts of the world. In the year 2007, only about 3% of our military spending is focused on peacekeeping, and the rest is now geared to combat, to war, and to actually participating in the wars. Another example, which I'm sure everybody has noticed, is that the military career is increasingly presented to our young people as a very attractive option for how best to serve our country and the world. There is very active recruitment in our high schools, on billboards, on television, on radio, and for those who attended last year's Grey Cup game in Winnipeg, we will have noticed that this was entirely sponsored by the military promoting itself, even during the halftime show. Promises of career advancement and free university education and adventure are very attractive to young people.
0: So what is the basic promise or the message of this increased focus on strengthening our military capacity to respond?
2: The basic message is that we should have confidence that the violent military responses to complex social and political problems are the best and easiest ones. This then in turn justifies increased spending and the use of our tax dollars to buy more warplanes and more tanks and more equipment. Today we are spending $17 billion per year more than we did a few years ago. The plan is to increase our military forces from 60,000 to 75,000 personnel and from 20,000 to 30,000 reservists. Jack, I'm
1: guessing that you would have something to say about uh, why increased militarization in our society should matter to the Church.
2: Well, yes, it does matter to the church. In fact, it matters a lot. Uh, The church is committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and is committed to living out and teaching that gospel in the best ways we can. And we know that Jesus, too, grew grew up in a society that was highly militarized by the Romans. And there were also important political parties within Judaism that were looking for military solutions to Roman occupation. One of these parties was called the Zealots, but the gospels of Jesus... And the life that he lived to model the gospel also taught us to oppose those violent and military tendencies to resolving human problems. Jesus said that the kingdom of God has arrived and that we should live our lives now as people of this kingdom.
0: What does the presence of God's kingdom have to do with militarization of Canada?
2: It has a lot to do with this. Uh, Jesus said, for example, that we should love our enemies and not kill them that we should be servants and not imposing masters, that we should work with compassion and mercy and justice in the way we deal with others, that we should grow communities of disciples that will live differently than the military options that were present all around them. He told his follower to put his sword away and not to attack the oppressor. He healed the man whose ear had been cut off in the fight. And ultimately, of course, on the cross, Jesus taught us and showed us that God will work via nonviolent means to save the world. Being willing to die for your enemy will result in the power of life in the resurrection. So the militarization of our society matters a lot to the church because it matters a lot to the gospel that we preach and try to live.
1: So, Jack, what are the alternatives?
2: I think we should uh, encourage our government to stimulate Canadian imaginations for peacemaking and how that could best be done. According to statistics from the United Nations, in the year 2005, world governments spent $1.1 American dollars on military expenditures, but they spent only $5 billion on peacekeeping efforts. This means that less than one-half percent was spent on peacekeeping as opposed to military expenditures. Our world will not get better by increasing even more our military capacity. It will only get better if we can begin to imagine other ways of dealing with the issues that face us. And Canada should be a leader in this, and the Church should be pointing to new possibilities of a new imagination.
0: Can you point to some other ways that have been tried?
2: That's a good question, Uh, but before I answer that, let me just say that that same question needs to be asked about our confidence in military responses. Do they work? Is there evidence that they, in fact, do what they promise to do? Why is it, for example, that after centuries of trying, the 20th century was likely the most violent century of human history? So is that working? Is that alternative effective? There is lots of evidence that, there is, that it is not. But back to your question, will other things work? I think there are lots of things that, can, that we can point to that are positive. We know, for example, in our own relationships with each other, that escalating the spiral of conflict only makes things worse. Somewhere this spiral needs to be broken. The same is true when we think about country-to-country conflicts. Gandhi, for example, in India, managed to gain the independence of India from Great Britain via nonviolent means. And I think Canadians know a lot about that. We too have an independent country, but we never did fight against Britain or France to get it. We never had the kind of violent revolution for independence that other countries, including the United States, and most Latin American countries have had. What Anwar Sadat did to make peace between Israel and Egypt was to go and visit Israel when everyone said it was crazy. What Gorbachev did was to say that he would not address the regional conflicts within the Soviet Union with military responses. And we know the result of that, the Soviet Union came tumbling down. And of course, we shouldn't forget the best example, Jesus never spent a dime on militarization of his movement, and yet that movement has met with more success than anything we can think of.
1: Jack, we began our conversation by referring to the letter that Mennonite Church Canada wrote to the Prime Minister. What specifically are we proposing in that letter?
2: Mennonite Church Canada is concerned about the militarization of our country, and we don't want to be participants in making that happen. So what we are proposing is that the government should allow us to be conscientious objectors, allow us to follow the conscience or the imagination that is fed by the kingdom of God and not by the values of militarization. We no longer want to pay for the militarization of our society with our tax dollars. We are asking that the government establish a peace tax fund that would ensure that my tax dollars are not used for the military purposes of Canada, but rather that they be used for peaceful and nonviolent purposes.
0: Is this a new idea? Not paying for war with our taxes?
2: It is not a new idea at all. This was also hotly debated in the First and Second World Wars, when Canadians were encouraged to buy victory bonds and invest in war efforts. It is also not new in the sense that Canada has always granted conscientious objector status to active service in the military. This is simply pushing that out a bit further to ask that the same status be granted to the payment for war. How can
1: we be peacemakers according to our convictions and still engage other Christians and denominations who might not share these same values?
2: What we do share with other Christians is that we do share the same gospel. We share the same Bible. We read the same text. And we share our conviction that this needs to be authoritative for the life of the church. Our experience has been that other Christians and denominations welcome these convictions and want to talk about this. They, they welcome our testimony in terms of what it means to live out the gospel to Jesus Christ. Thanks for being here with us today, Jack. Thanks to you. This has been an engaging conversation.
0: Our time is up for today. This broadcast and many other helpful resources are available on the Mennonite Church Canada website at mennonitechurch.ca. You're also welcome to call our resource consultants at 1-866-888-6785 for additional help in finding books, videos, and more.
1: We also invite prayerful and financial support for the many ministries of Mennonite Church Canada and for Church Matters. If you are particularly interested in contributing to peace ministries, visit healingandhope.ca. You can also mail your gift to Mennonite Church Canada, 600 Shaftesbury Boulevard, Winnipeg, Manitoba, R3P0M4. My name is Dan Dick.
0: And I am Janet Plennert. You've been listening to Church Matters where our prayer is that you will be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Tune in again at this same time on the third Sunday of every month to hear more of the many ways that church matters. Thanks for joining us. As you go out from here